Let's get it. What up? What up, Coop? How are you doing, my friend? As always, brother, surviving and thriving. How are you? Love to hear it. Love to hear it. I am absolutely fantastic because this is our first ever Grizz Talk. From now on, every Wednesday, once a week, Cooper and I are going to have a podcast completely and totally dedicated to our Memphis Grizzlies. We're still going to do our national NBA podcast twice a week, but for once a week, we got a pod for the city. Today, we're going to lead off with the most glaring question of the offseason, Coop, and that is who will replace Jaron Jackson Jr. in the starting lineup for the time being while he's out with that foot injury? Who do you think is going to replace him? Oh, yeah, dude. This is this is definitely the nightmare question right now because, I mean, it could be six months. And so, you know, I'm just going to assume that he's going to be out for the longest amount of time because that's how the Grizz have generally handled injury situations. Um, normally, I would say Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson's kind of gone. So um, we've seen what Brandon looks like in the starting lineup. I don't want it to be Brandon solely on the fact that him and Steven will clog the paint. I just don't like that fit. Um, I'm leaning more towards LaRavia solely on the fact that he can shoot a corner three. But I kind of want somebody who can get down low and kind of be a little physical. So – if Santi can show that he's physical, I'm cool with Santi getting the getting the starts here and there. But honestly, I kind of want to go Roddy. Um, I know I've named like a bunch of players right now, but I kind of want to go Roddy. He's physical. He's a smart player. Um, I think he's the most NBA ready out of the guys we got. Um, that's smaller lineup to start. I mean, that's Ja, Bain, Dylan, and uh, then Roddy, then Steven. But Steven's going to get the rebounds. Ja can get rebounds. Dylan can get rebounds. I don't really need my power forward to get rebounds because Jaron doesn't really get rebounds. I need someone willing to bang a body and play, make smart decisions on offense. So I got to go Roddy. Um, I don't know who it'll be, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've, I've no idea either. And I'm going to go with the name that started for a long time at a different position last year because of injury, and he excelled in that role at the three. I don't know if he can do this at the four, but Zaire Williams uh, going into his second year, I would love to see him uh, get this opportunity at the four, you know, add to his resume on what he can do. He, you mentioned the quarter, corner three. I think that he's capable of shooting that it's going to, he's going to be really, really small at the four. I get that. But with the way the league is moving and how many stretch four there are, there's really not, you know, any, Kevin Garnett's there is an Al Horford for Boston but we play them twice a year so it's it's really hard to look at a lot of fours that are going to be banging you see a lot of guys like Christian Wood now who are just kind of finesse fours that's why I think Santi like you alluded to is a great great alternative for this but I'm going to go Zaire Williams because I think uh, he can make a little bit of a leap and I, I think that would be great it'd take Dylan off you know the guards and it'd really concern me because Dylan would not be able to guard the one or two because, you know, you got to get that matchup to Ja or Dez now. So that's really concerning. But at this, we're just in fire control right now, basically, to be honest. No, dude, I totally agree. And I, I honestly love the Zaire fit. Um, it'd be more small ball as, but like I said, with Roddy, I don't need somebody to go down there and get rebounds. Mm-hmm. I literally just need somebody to fill that position, shoot a corner three, which we know Zaire's capable of. Um, Zaire's had one year in the league. He's had his ups and downs. 
I, I'd be cool to give him the the starting role. To be honest with you, I could see Taylor Jenkins literally. It might be a different starting role or starting lineup the first ten games of the year, just to see what'll work, see which one works the best. I mean, and he'll probably give a few games here and there just to kind of like get a feel. But Zaire, I think we saw Dylan guard Cat uh, in the playoffs. Now, granted, Cat's a soft soft center and i say that like mm-hmm. wholeheartedly because cat's soft he ain't gonna like just bang you yeah. like uh zebo would but like dylan could theoretically guard some fours in this league um he's gonna bang him he's aggressive and he's physical and that could put zaire kind of into the small forward thing too so like there's a lot of different versatility things you can do with a zaire starting and i, I love that idea yeah, I, I think you're exactly right because Taylor, he's been proven to start so many different people until he figures it out, until he wor- it works. And at the start of the season, it's the time to be trying stuff. Um, there's a reason we're discussing this in the lead block. It's because, I mean, as much as we you know, can act like we know, we, you and I would both admit we have no idea who he's going to start, and that's the fun of this conversation, but – uh, you could throw a myriad of names in there. It's it's definitely going to be interesting who works out the best. I love how you uh, talked about David Roddy because I think in a perfect, perfect world, I want him to become that. Uh, you know, a stretch four, I think that would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, dude, Roddy, I love the Roddy pick, and I, I know the Grizzlies are high on him too. Um, he can literally play one through five. I mean, we, I don't think we want to see him necessarily playing the five at six five, but like he can do it. Like he's mm-hmm. capable of doing it because he's done it in his whole life and his whole career of playing at Colorado State. So I'm really excited to see what Roddy can do. And if he can prove that he can shoot the NBA three, uh, I mean, he dropped 46 not too long ago. Yes, you know sir. Saying, yes, sir. Threes. So if he can prove that he can shoot the three, I don't see why he can hold down the four until Jaron comes back. And I think that'd be great NBA experience for somebody like him. To get roughed up, I, I mean, I know I don't wish bad things on our guys, but sometimes you got to throw them in the fire. I mean, I remember just last year we were like, dang, Zaire's getting cooked right now. And it was game three, and he's guarding LeBron James. He literally was two <laughs> years away from playing with Bronny in nice. high school, and now you're nice. guarding Bronny's dad, mm-hmm. one of the greatest players of all time in our day and age. Somebody you probably went to their house uh, to have dinners and things like that, exactly. and you're having to guard them now in the NBA. So, like <laughs> – he got thrown real quick into the fire because I yes. remember a game where he got absolutely cooked by Devin Booker. But look at him now. Like, yeah. he even admits, he's like, that Devin Booker, that sucked. Yeah. But it taught me how to keep going and keep going and next play mentality. And so, like, with these two rookies, I mean, I mentioned LaRavia. I don't think he will start. But um, LaRavia and Ronnie both, they're going to need to get that viable experience in, in the fire. They just That's just how you're going to have to do it in the NBA. You got to see – it's basically like throwing a kid out in the water to hope they can swim. I mean, they got to learn somehow, you know what I mean? So, like, um, I really hope Roddy can hold his own and maybe be the P.J. Tucker that I'm hoping he can be. Oh, dude, I would love that. I love how you brought up that name. You know how much I love P.J. Coop. Come on now. (laughs) Uh, But let's move into a guy who's, you know, the potential uh, starting position will be right next to Steven Adams at the five. Um, after this year into next summer, Steven Adams is going to be a free agent, completely unrestricted on the open market. Before we go into next season, Cooper, if you were Zach Kleiman, our general manager, would you re-sign Steven Adams? I wouldn't extend him. 
right now mm-hmm. um, solely on the fact that if you extend them, you have to match, like you have to hit a certain salary per year point based on the contract that he's coming off of. So I'm of the mindset, and I think Zach Kleiman is too, not that I'll ever admit that I think <laughs> me and Zach Kleiman think alike. Um, that man's a genius. I'm just down here. Um, but if, if, if I'm Zach Kleiman, I want Steven Adams as my center. Mm-hmm. But like you and like you say all the time, I'm not. I don't really like paying centers, um, mm-hmm. especially in a league that centers are kind of a dying breed. Um, Stephen Adams really resurged centers in my my eyes after yeah. this last season because mm-hmm. of how important he was to our lineup. So I'm of the mindset that a I think Stephen wants to play here, and b I think the Grizzlies love Stephen in their offense. So. I think you let him hit the free agency, and I think Steven will come back on a team-friendly deal. I really do. Um, I remember an interview earlier in the year where Steven Adams was saying, I've played for a lot of playoff teams, championship contenders, but he said, I've never played for a better organization than the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm. And that's a high high praise, high compliment because, um, I mean, OKC had really good teams, and they were drafting really well and all that stuff. And, I mean, that's high praise. And to be honest with you, I could see Steven Adams saying, I want to ride out my days in the Beale Street Blue. Um, so I think we let him hit the market solely on the fact that we want to get him at a lesser deal. And I think he's willing to take that. Mm-hmm. My concern is what I wrote down just whenever I was, you know, getting the prepping these questions is for the right price. Cause you know, I've discussed on our podcast at nauseum, just what you said, I'm really against paying centers. But when I look around the league, this guy does not complain about his touches. He does all the dirty work for us. And he's a great, great locker room guy. And that's really, really rare. I mean, you look at the Miles Bridges situation right now. Clint Capella hasn't worked out that well with Trey Young. Yes, they had a conference finals run. But last year, really sparked trade rumors between those two, you know, between uh, John Collins and Clint Capella in Atlanta. So I, I don't know. I was reading up about this, getting opinions on it. The more I think about it, the more I become confused about it. Cause at first I'm like, hell no, we can replace them. But God, I just, I love essay so much, man. Thanks. I, I don't want to lose them. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't either. I don't either because, but you know, I didn't want to lose Valanchunas. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous when we did it. I remember talking to you after that. We we're like, God, what the hell? We're just taking a step back and then, you know, 51 season later. So <laughs> yeah. Second best team in the league later. I mean, yeah. Steven Adams fits this team so well. Yes. Um, you just, you, you hit on probably the biggest point that I think a lot of Grizzly fans don't comprehend. Um, Cause I've, I, I mean, I follow so many Grizzly things on Instagram and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And I just see so many people being like, we just need to upgrade Steven Adams and we'll be a championship team. And I'm like, I don't think y'all comprehend that Steven Adams last year was one of our best players. Like, yes. He's not a stat sheet guy. He is, I'm going to get rebounds. I'm going to set screens where the person that I'm setting the screen on falls down and it's going to open up the entire offense. I honestly think because of Steven Adams, Job progressed the way he did, Desmond progressed the way he did, and Jaron progressed the way he did because of Steven Adams. Exactly. He is one of those guys. He's like, he's like what you want out of a point guard or a quarterback mm-hmm. on a football field. If he elevates the rest of your team, you know he's doing something good. And that's what Steven Adams brings to this team. He brings a guy who's played a lot of playoff minutes, which is not something we can say about everybody on this team. And he's a veteran guy. I love SA. I really hope we keep him. But like you said, kind of at the right price. Um, 
and I don't think he's going to be like, bro, I got to get 25 mil or I'm not staying sort of a guy. And I really love that about him. So I think he'll, I think we can maybe work this to where he stays on a team friendly deal. Yeah. And the thing that cracks me up was like, if we get a good center, we can win a championship. Have you not looked at the Golden State Warriors the past decade? I mean, they've run Kavon Looney out there. Yes, he's an okay center, but Kavon Looney is absolutely nowhere near Steven Adams level. And I'm sorry, that's a dynasty without a locked-in center for that entire time. So he, a center is not required anymore. This isn't 2004. You don't need to run Ben Wallace, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett out there. That's just not required now. So I, I love how you pointed that out. And about the development point, you're so, so right about that. Ja and Dez were able to blossom last year because of the amount of touches they were given because you didn't have to give it to Valanchunas to get going early in the game. Because you remember, it was two years ago, every play, every first play of the game was a Valanchunas pin down, get him going, get him active on defense. And he, we'd run yeah. the first play of the game through him every single time. Yeah, and to get Jaron's confidence back earlier this year, you saw them doing that exact same stuff. Yeah, where they exactly. were like, Jaron, get you a shot in early so you'll go play defense. And mm-hmm. Jaron's a little different than Valanciunas because Jaron was always going to play hard on defense. But, like, it was one of those things where they were like, look, you haven't played a full NBA season in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Get your feet under you. Get, like, get the wheels rolling. Because I remember at the beginning of the year, you and I were having to defend Jaron Jackson because Grizzly fans were coming for him. They're like, yes. are you kidding me? We just paid this dude $100 million, and he looks like this. And you're like, y'all, he has not played a full season since the bubble, which is an asterisk NBA season. Mm-hmm. Like, give the man some time. And then now everybody's singing his praises other than the injury part. But they're singing his praises because he was first-team all defense, led the league in blocks. Exactly. Like, I, I would rather have all first-team defense and a defensive player of the year finalist and leading the league in blocks than I would a 30-point-per-game score. I'll say it. (laughs) I mean, No, I I completely agree with you, and I'm so glad you said that because Jaron, he requires touches, and that's how it's going to be for a long time, but that next to Valanchunas was a whole other problem too because you you don't need to have two guys that require touches, and that's why SA was just such a perfect fit, and I feel like – the defending Jaron Jackson thing, I feel like we're going to have to go through that again this year. And I feel like it's going to be even worse because it's another injury, another foot injury yeah. on a seven footer. He's going to come back rusty because he's not going to be able to work all off season. So we're just going to have to really bite our tongue through the first couple months. Man. Yeah, you're right. I was trying to, I was trying to not think about it right now, but you're right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know my negative ass thinking. Like I always try to lowball everything so I can feel better, man. <laughs> hey, you know if you keep your expectations low, you can always be uh, wildly impressed and pleased. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, I'm um, a Tennessee I, fan. What I'm the hell do you expect, man? <laughs> Bro, you, you know you can't be talking. I'm an Ole Miss fan. It was about the time they finally did something for Coming me. Coming off a national championship, I don't want to hear it, dude. Tennessee. Hey. Every every other person in the fan base I'm in thinks we're gonna be a champ every year, and I'm just on the complete <laughs> other side of the totem pole, and we fall right in the middle. So. That's that's all right. It works out for the best. <laughs> exactly, bro. Exactly, bro. But let's get into uh, one of your questions, in which I like so much about two losses for our Memphis Grizzlies. Facts, facts. So, like with the Jaron Jackson news, this one player is kind of a big deal. But like 
this offseason, the Grizzlies haven't really done much, but they have lost two key pieces uh, of our rotation last year. Who was more of a loss as far as our team now, De'Anthony Melton or Kyle Anderson? This is a tough question because if – I know this is like 2022 and I'm talking about Jonas Valanciunas as a Grizzly quite a bit right now, but Kyle Anderson would be the biggest loss if he was still on the team because Kyle, his role at the four when Jaron was out was absolutely massive. But with this team, with SA at the five, that would have not worked out as well because he doesn't spread the court as well. So I don't think that's that big of a loss. I was kind of expecting to lose him. De'Anthony Melton, however, is going to be pretty, pretty big because he's a hustle guy. He's an athlete. Um, and people don't speak enough about his locker room presence. You ask anybody one through 15 on that team, he was the funniest guy in the locker room. Everybody loved D-Melt. And I think that's going to play a role next year whenever times get tough. Facts. And if Jaron is not injured, I'm talking about d mm-hmm. Solely on the fact that Jaron is injured right now is why I think Kyle Anderson is a bigger loss right now because Kyle would be an easy pick to fill that starting four role. Um, and so, like, I, that's why I kind of have to lean Kyle Anderson on this. But as, I'm going I'm to talk about d just for a second because – D-Melt was a guy that you knew was going to come off the bench and at least hit some shots for you. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily like the the Jordan Clarksons that we've hit on, the Colin Sexons that we've hit on. He's not like one of those microwaves. But he was consistent enough to get you at least 10 points a night off the bench, which was huge because we had one of the best bench units in the league for the last like two or three years. And that's solely because Tyus Jones is a starting point guard as our backup point guard. But like exactly. – Losing D-Mount, I really do, do feel like it's one of our microwaves coming off the bench. Because, I mean, depending on who starts, if, say, we start Roddy and Zaire's coming off the bench, I mean, I can see him being kind of getting his shots going and maybe hitting 10 to 15 points a game, which we need. Um, I can see him doing that, but not in the same way that I could see, like, a D-Mount. Like, you and I both know if D-Mount hits one three – the next five shots he takes are going to yes. just be bang, bang, yes, bang. Like, exactly. I mean, it's clockwork. Yes. And so, like, I still feel like we're missing a microwave off the bench. And I know we've hit on the Jordan Carson of the world, and I love Colin Sexton. Um, I know we've hit on all those guys, but I just still feel like we're missing a, just a microwave off the bench. And who knows? LaRavia could come out and be next white chocolate and just be an animal off the bench. A little Tyler us, Hero action, huh? <laughs> yeah. I'd love that. I'd love that. But – yeah, I get the Kyle thing, man. At the end of the day, um, I'm not really, really upset about either one of them. I, yeah. I feel like there's still something along the edges at the eight, nine-man position that we're going to do. I don't think we're done yet, but I don't think we're making a massive move. I think it's going to be around the edges. Get another role player. Danny Green's still on our roster. That's a big question mark right now. I, I've seen stuff that's all over the place about him. So I really don't know what we're going to do. But Kyle, with uh, you know him starting next to SA, I don't think that's huge. And then D-Melt, we watched him in the playoffs, man. He was so good in the regular season, but my God, the playoffs, it was, it was very, very rough when we, when we needed him very badly. 
Facts. Yeah, watching the amount in the playoffs is a travesty. But honestly, I'm wishing both of those guys the best. I Same mean, D-Mouse with the Phils, um, and I'd probably root for his team a little bit more because I can't stand the Timberwolves at all. Um, <laughs> and the Timberwolves honestly got rid of the my favorite guy on that team, and uh, Pat Bev. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> – I mean, but hey, Kyle might start next season, so who knows? Yeah. Like, shout out to him. <laughs> the D-Mail to Philly, like, I absolutely love that. It makes so much sense to me just to have an energy athlete off the bench. They needed, they had the worst bench in the league last year. D'Anthony Melton's going to help Philadelphia, and it made makes made a ton of sense why they made that trade. Minnesota, however, I have no idea. You're just another non-shooter to go alongside Rudy Gobert next to, you know, Anthony Edwards. Poor Anthony Edwards. It's going to be – they're just going to pack the paint. Okay, Rudy Gobert, you can do whatever the hell you want the dunker spot. Okay, Kyle Anderson, swing, swing, corner three, go ahead. I don't care. Like, it makes no sense. Thanks. <laughs> like, I mean, I, the Timberwolves are going to be such a bum team, and I think yeah. it's so funny that everybody's high on them. I think they're going to be a good regular season team, but playoffs, they're going to collapse. As they as Rudy always does. Um, but let's get into grading this Grizzlies offseason so far. Like I said, I don't think we're completely done yet, but I don't see us, you know, going big game hunting anytime soon. So I'm gonna ask your grade for the Grizzlies offseason so far. This is gonna sound harsh, but like I think I gotta go like C plus B minus. And the reason <laughs> I'm going right there, it's we haven't gotten, like, astronomically better, but we haven't got, like, astronomically worse. So I'm going to sit right there in kind of that, like, average range because, I mean, we we really haven't done much. Um, I think extending job was awesome. I think extending John Conchar at the contract we got him at was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a few more things on the table that I'm kind of sitting here, like, waiting on. Like, I mean, we've talked about it, um, about the Brandon extension, why it hadn't happened yet and things like that. We've kind of hit on the Stephen Adams and D- Dylan Brooks as to why, like, maybe we're trying to get them out of a lesser deal. So, like, we're going to let them hit free agency so we don't have to, like, hit them at a certain level. Um, but I just feel like this has just been kind of a year that the Grizz are saying we're going to focus on our development and we're just going to let it ride. And mm-hmm. I'm not upset by that at all. I Like, don't take that great as, like, a – it was awful. I'm so mad that they're doing this. Like, I fully am okay with them saying we're going to let our guys develop because it's worked. Um I'm just a little, I'm going into this season a little more question marked than I was last season. Is why I'm going to give that grade. Bro, you could not have described what you just felt any better. I kind of chuckled whenever you said the grades because I literally wrote down a B minus, and everything you just said is exactly how I feel. I know I feel like I'm taking a lazier way out, but my God, <laughs> literally, that's exactly how I felt, bro. Like. <laughs> Because I'm not, like, super emotional about this offseason whatsoever on either side. I'm not really happy, and I'm not really pissed off. I'm just like, we have Zach Kleiman. Other teams don't. Okay. we. I don't think we've gotten better, but I thought we got worse last year after the JVSA thing. So, yeah. whatever. I wipe my hands of it. It's so good trusting in your front office, man, for sure. Facts. And this is something we have not had other than the four years of Zach Kleiman, like, Praise, thank you, Zach Kleinman, for coming. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we needed it. Oh, for sure, man. But uh, did you have one more question? Heck yeah! Right, um, so after after giving the grade of the offseason, we got to give an early prediction. So this team finished second in the NBA last year, but mm-hmm. second in the West as well. Mm-hmm. Where do you have us? Give give me the 
prediction for uh, where the Grizz end up in the standings next season? Um, I'm going to say this is going to sound like – I don't think it's going to sound that outrageous if you really know, like, you know, what's been happening in the offseason. I'm going to say a five, a five seed. Um, I, I'm hoping for a three or four, but I'm content with a five because I know Kawhi Leonard's back. I know that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. will be back. I know Phoenix is not going anywhere. Golden State's not going anywhere. Damian Lillard will be returning. Christian Wood signed with the Mavericks. Dallas isn't going anywhere. You know, Rudy Gobert is up at the T-Wolves. So it's a really, really crowded Western Conference right now. And I, I'd predict, if I had to pick, starting out with an injured uh, first-team All-NBA defensive team player, yeah. it's going to be a going to be an uphill climb from the beginning of the season. So I'm going to say a five seed in the West. I love that. Honestly, Jaron is not hurt. I'd probably say a three. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, I mean, I think it's going to be a really competitive. Like, I don't think anybody's going to have a 16-game lead like last year over anybody. Mm-hmm. I, or it might have been 10. But, like, I don't think it's going to be like that this year. I really do think it's going to come down to the wire. Um, so I was originally going to say three if Jaron's not hurt. But with Jaron being hurt, I had us in the same matchup. So I had us as a four seed, but like you said, it's really going to be a tight West matchup next year. Something that I'm looking forward to, like, like I can't wait because I think it's going to be a fun NBA season. I think we can still compete without Jaron and hold the fort down, but I don't think we're going to be like dominant uh, like we were last season with our full roster going into it. But um, we've talked about Jaron a lot. And we, we we haven't hit our boy twelve yet, so uh-huh. I just got to ask one thing about twelve. All right. Um, we saw him be rookie of the year, mm-hmm. and then we saw him take a little bit of a leap, but not what we were expecting. And then we got this leap that we were like, "This is what we wanted." And he went from rookie of the year to now he's most improved. Uh, started in an All Star game, was second team All NBA. Can John Morant in year four seriously contend to be an MVP this season? Uh, yes, I think he can. And I think Jaron Jackson has a lot to do with that. The points are going to have to come from somewhere. 12 is going to have to be Superman the first month of the season just to keep us afloat. And I think if he comes out averaging 30 plus a game for the first month of the season, a lot of eyebrows are going to raise. And I think he's going to average even more than he did last year at that 27 point per game mark. I think 12, if he stays healthy, that's a big if. Can his knees hold up now? I think he can win MVP. And I, I don't even think he can contend with it. I think he can absolutely win MVP. Dude, I love it. I love it. Look at <laughs> You were just talking about how you're you're always looking on the downside. <laughs> that was 12, man. That was 12. <laughs> yeah, that was full-blown, like, for the fences, and I agree. Yeah. Um, we've talked about Jaron this almost the entire show today, but, like, Jaron has a, Jaren's our second best player. Like, I mean, losing him sucks. And I, I really do think Jaws going to take up the slack and Jaws is not going to allow us to lose very many games um, mm-hmm. just because he hates losing. So like, he's going to compete his butt off and he's capable of literally dropping 30 tonight. So like, and that's not just like 30, like Trey Young. Well, I can't even say Trey Young style because Trey Young still has 10 assists, but like, he's going to have assists and rebounds too. So like he, he's going to literally do everything he can to will his team to a victory. And so I, I do think uh, a Ja MVP season could be just around the corner. I mean, heck, he was out there saying he's 
he can beat LeBron one one. So he gotta go get an MVP <laughs> after that, right? Yeah, exactly. He, he's gotta come up. Everyone's be coming for his neck, and guess what? He's gonna be coming for theirs too. So I'm, I'm all here for it, and I can't wait. Just, uh, I mean, he's the most electrifying player in this league. So I, he, no one's gonna have more highlights than him. So and I, that really helps with the MVP award. Can he be consistent with it and stay healthy? That's yeah. my question. But yeah, thanks. That's call call him. You better call him. Coop, that's all I got today, my friend. This was a great first Grizz talk. We're in the middle of the offseason and it was still so, so fun. So I can't wait to get into training camp, you know, about a month and a half away now. I know it seems like forever, but my God, it's going to be starting up more than, you know, faster than we know. So, Cooper, I hope you have a fantastic night, my friend. Yes, sir. You too.